Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are here on my sumptuous balcony in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Business Creators Radio Show has sort of a from-the-field feeling to it, and it's the kind of place where you can sort of kick back and listen in on a private mastermind conversation where you're the third person having whatever beverage you really want with your pad of paper and two pens, capturing those aha moments that naturally arise as you consume what we're about to say today. And although that may be an inspiring thought, sometimes inspiration leaves the building. So what happens when inspiration leaves the building? And how do you become the nucleus of your life? To share with us on that today, we have my friend Pat Oniotis, who has been on my shows before. She is a no-nonsense mentor, educator, and author who helps rascals and renegades take risks, face their fears, and build kick-butt businesses while causing a a ruckus and stirring stuff up in the world. Pat's passion is to support her clients in becoming the nucleus of their own life and when they actually start becoming the central, most important part of their life from which they grow and lead, she celebrates with them. Pat Honiotis, come on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) I'm loving this weather. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) All right. So what we like to do here in the Business Creators Radio Show is I read off your bio. It's so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here. And candidly, it's my show, so it's kind of weird that I say that. Now, now, uh, what we like to do here is we like to ask you, aside from your official biography, tell us a bit about your journey and your inspiration and what's brought you to where you are serving business creators from their intersection of their, excuse me, from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Wow. I have this... I've had it from the time I was a little kid, this one firm belief right down to the the very cells of my body is that every single person that's ever been born has a birthright of dignity and respect. Yeah. And from that, you have, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And so in order to, to, you know, give others the dignity and the respect that they deserve and to give them their birthright, you have Mm -hmm. to have it for yourself first. And what I found working, you know, over 40 years in practice is that's probably one of the biggest, most common things I run into with people is they, they try and give, 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 but they don't have it for themselves. Yeah. Right. So I understand that entirely. And so let's dive in. And first of all, I want to define some terms. And we're going to ask a series of questions here. You shared some of these with us in the green room. And some of them are also going to sound also almost going to sound like Q&A type interview questions. So I'm actually going to break the rules and go into that mode just for a little bit to give our listeners some background and understanding. Because this topic here, to me at least, is feeling a little bit esoteric. And I want to put some grounding stakes in, if that's okay. No, I got it. So first of all, so first of all, so for those of you who are expecting a free, free-flowing mastermind conversation, we will get there, but I do feel that the tense is a little loose and we need to peg this thing down. So let's start by asking you, Pat, what does it mean to be the nucleus of your life? You all know what the nucleus of, the, of, of a cell is. It's that, it's that main part of the cell where all the growth takes place. It's actually the command center of the cell. And then, of course, when every cell in your body has that command center and it's on target and it's in balance, everything runs really, really smoothly. Right. So all I did was take that to the place of us being in the nucleus of ourself. 
which means when we stay centered in that nucleus, when we stay balanced in that nucleus of ourselves, our center, our being, our core, things run smoothly. We make better decisions from there. We have more control over what's over, not only ourselves, but what's going on around us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, nucleus is not a program. It's not one of these woo-woo things that are flying around mm-hmm. out there. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way of being in relationship with everything. It's a state of mind where there are certain things that are true that aren't true when you're in your nucleus, when you're not in your nucleus. Right. One, exactly. of the, one of the things about this nucleus thing is it's so foundational to all life. And so we see it all the time. And if we can really start to see it in our own lives and embrace it, and make sure that we're in that spot, things are going to go much more smoothly mm-hmm. for us. Right. So what types of people do you find typically are the best to work with when it comes to taking them on this journey? They're usually people that are up to something. And here's what I mean by that. They've got something that they want to do or bring to the world. They may not have it all dialed in yet, but they're looking at it. It's, it's some sort of transition and they're feeling some unrest about it. Usually one of the things that is keeping them from stepping into it is they're not putting themselves in the equation. And that's what nucleus is all about. Yeah. Okay? They're also the, t- I like the people that, you know, they're ready to cut the crap and go straight for the goal. They're really ready to say no more of this. Um, you know, I'm going to quit playing around and this is important to me. This is something that I want to accomplish. And it can be something like I have one lady who's in her 70s and trying to retire on $1,500 a month. Lots of luck mm-hmm. on that one, right? What she's doing and she's, she's doing it is because she's being centered in herself and making sure there's something there for her in everything. If she's on her way to at least five to 10 grand a month. And she's making those steps and making that progress on a daily basis. So those are the kind of people that I'm looking for. They're, um, you know, I have another entrepreneur that I've worked with that is, is really doing quite well. Um, I always say you don't have to be sick to get better. Okay. Um, The more and more that you're in your nucleus, the better things become, even if you, no matter how good you've got it right now. So it's, it's really the people that, that are wanting to go for it, that have this passion and desire to really, whether it's business or personal. Here's the other thing. They usually have a bunch of mischief or at least a bit of mischief in who they are. They like to have fun. They like to sort of shut up, right? Yeah. So it's, it's that kind of a person. I mean, you like, you like disrupting things and looking at them from different angles. Oh, yeah, I do. I'll tell you a story about it in a minute, but finish your thought. Hmm. That's the kind of person that when they really grab a hold of what nucleus is, the ingredients, how, what you have to do to get in that and stay in that, this is the type of person that really flies with it. And I've got right. several clients now that all I do is say to them, when anything comes up, were you a nucleus? Is this nucleus? Is that a nucleus decision? Mm-hmm. So it becomes almost like a, a password, if you will, into, into a group of people that they get it. They get it. Right. Speaking of people getting it, you know, I uh, have stood up on stages. I've been on webinars. I've said this so many times on my podcasts and on my interviews on other people's podcasts that there's one thing you have in your business. And if you have this in your business, you don't need it, you don't want it, you should get rid of it. That being traffic to your website. And people say, what? Uh, uh, did you just say that the earth is flat? No, no. What we have going on is every company out there that has anything to do with anything promoting any business is going to go on about traffic to your website. Okay. What is traffic? Traffic is why I work from a home office. And what's a website? Is that a podcast site? Like the reach system develops? Is that 
a sales page? Is that a webinar registration page? Is that a products page, a home page, an about page, a contact page, privacy, terms of terms and uh, conditions, disclaimer? I could go on and on and on. Each one of those things can be a website, and a website can consist of all those things. What we want instead of traffic to your website are visitors to your web pages who abide by the three P's of website conversions, pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped. And when you have that, you have folks, you're attracting the people who are most optimized to receive your offer. You're taking them to a place where it's going to be easier for them to consume it. And you're going to have them eager to receive it as soon as they click on that link, whether it's in your email, whether it's on a social media post, whether they're listening to a show like this and heard somebody read it out. So by disruption, I'm taking what everybody else is talking about, traffic to your website, and I'm simply renaming it to put a new paradigm and frame around it. To me, that is a simple yet very profound level of disruption, just renaming things and breaking the mold. As I heard Alan Weiss say once when he was giving a speech, if you want to be number one in your market, uh, just name it something else, and now you're number one. And it's also putting, yes, I, I hear the renaming mm -hmm. part, Adam. I do. Yes. But you do more than rename. Right. So, you know, <laughs> so what's the rest of it? Because I'm hearing some stuff here. Right. Okay. Um, it's what I call some respectful irreverence. Right. Meaning you're taking this and shaking it up and you're respecting the person, you're respecting what they're doing, but you're, but you're really irreverent about the way they're doing it. And that's what gets people's attention. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes dollars and cents. And I also mentioned in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, that Chuck Norris is well known for creating his own brand of martial arts that he even he gave it its own name. When you look at what's in his brand of martial arts, there's really not a whole lot new there. It's mostly an amalgamation of a couple of existing schools of martial arts, and then he added a little bit of his own insights and a couple of his own tactics to it. But it's basically a re-rendition of other things that already existed. But you want to know what makes Chuck Norris's brand of martial arts really special? Chuck Norris. Exactly. The brand, the personality, and the feelings that people get when engaging that brand and personality. When you think of Chuck Norris, you think of a guy that they tell a lot of jokes about, but you probably will take him pretty seriously when it comes to physical fitness and the Eastern martial arts. So apply that, when we apply that to what you're talking about around what you do, what's the one ingredient beside you or what's the ingredient of you or what's the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the quality of you that you may not even have thought about that makes you memorable and makes people think of you? Uh, let's see. What makes... I know, I know I get people repeat back to me the traffic to your website thing all the time. I think one of the things that... And again, I'm just basing this on feedback from people who've tuned in, people who've heard what I had to say, people who've engaged me, is that I allow my cats to walk on the screen when I do my live streams. All right. I mean, I mean, even as we sit here right now, uh, I was out on my balcony, but I moved into my living room because my princesses were banging at the door, so I thought I'd come in and, uh, and we're all cuddling here now. In fact, you hear Stella rubbing against my microphone. Okay. So what, and what does that do for you now? You are so, you'd think we had rehearsed this. We haven't, folks. We're no, really, we haven't. This is all spontaneous and authentic. It's, it's like, I couldn't have paid you to have a better lead into this. What's happening to you while you're with your princesses now? Well, let's, let's see. They're supervising me. And, uh, and Stella's just uh, sitting here on my lap uh, trying to take over the, the interview by going up against the microphone. But Stella, okay. you can't do so that. Just, That's not what, what a pretty what girl that? does. Yeah, so what does it do for you? What What's happening to you right now? Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it actually centers me because there's something about... Yes. And, and, you, and you've read about this in articles. There's actually science that 
supports this, although the science is inconclusive as to the why. But there's something about a kitty that's either purring or headbutting you that will bring you to a centered place. Okay, but here's here's another here's something I want you to I want you to see this. You are thoroughly enjoying yourself right now. I am. And you're enjoying because you're doing something that you love to do, but you also brought an element in that feeds you. It brings you some deep satisfaction. And that's those mm -hmm. kitties. You've brought your fun. And by the way, I also hear a little bit of mischief in there. Yeah. You brought it to this broadcast. And all the rules say you shouldn't be online with your kitty. That's what they say. Exactly. That's the point I'm making. All right? uh -huh. You've brought something to this, to your work, that is for you. Because see, what I find with a lot of my people is, what does my client want? How can I reach them? What do they really need? And that's all good. We have to ask those questions. But we forget to bring in, what do we want out of it? I'm not talking about money here. Right. What I'm talking about is that deep thing, that deep, deep satisfaction that you get. So for example, when, I'm, when I write my programs, in every module, of course, what does my client need? What do they want? How can I support them? What do I have to do? What do I have to bring to this call for them? And at uh -huh. the end, I've always, 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 you're doing it more naturally, but I always, okay, now. What can I put in this module or in this broadcast for me that I can have fun with, that I can maybe have a little bit of mischief with? Do you get what I'm saying here? I get it totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people that I work with forget that. You know, we're taught to always put everybody first and make sure you serve yourself last. And I call a horse pucky on that. Yeah, about including us. It's not being selfish and taking away from the client or anyone else for that matter. It's making sure that we include us because we've been taught to exclude ourselves. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Put others first. And then you hear the, you hear the parable of the merchants who gave so generously to charity. But then there's that one shivering destitute woman who gave her last dime and somehow her contribution was more valuable. <clears throat> I call BS on that candidly because, first of all, she should not have had to donate her last time. Number one, I'm asking what are the re you know, what are the issues that got in the way of her not having the resources so that didn't have to be her last time. That's what I would ask. She has. I would not be. I would not be celebrating the fact she gave her last dime. I would be asking why does she only have one dime? Well, there's that, and what? The, why does she only have her last dime? But. But the other thing is, is what, what's going on inside of her? What was she taught that says she must give that last dime? I can, I can give you some insights on that just from yeah. what I dealt with. I remember I was like, thinking about the third or fourth grade, and this was in the 1980s. So back then, the idea was that winning a million dollars was a really big deal. So we were given an assignment, and we had to answer this question in essay form. If you won a million dollars in the lottery tomorrow, what would you do with it? Uh-huh. All right. So there's a few piece, there's a few moving pieces of what I'm about to share with you. Number one, the A answer, actually the only acceptable answer, and every other answer was wrong, we subsequently found out, is that you had to make a list of who you would give the money away to. And you had to give away every bit of it. So you had to give away the, you had to make a list of people or charities and have that total number that you're giving away add up to $1 million. Oh, no. Every other answer was wrong. Oh, uh, no. Now, I mean, I think it's like, I know this is a third grade assignment, but it didn't even leave room for the fact that you're, if you won a million dollars, you're probably actually getting about $600,000 once right. the government takes right. all the luxury taxes and everything, but all the same. So that, that's A. Now, let's look at how the question was phrased. If you won the lottery, so is that the only way you can get a million dollars? 
So you can't be really successful at your job and get a million dollar salary. You can't grow a million dollar business. You can't be a really good athlete and get a million dollar contract. It's only by sheer luck. And if by random luck, you happen to win a million dollars, you can't keep it because yep. that would be greedy and sinful. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you hear jokes like, what's the difference between a BMW and a porcupine? Have you ever heard that one? I don't think so. Well, with a BMW, the pricks on, uh, excuse me, with a porcupine, the pricks on the outside. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's like that's like the one about Drew Carey and Lorena Bobbitt almost, but uh, we'll hold that for another day. Okay. So it's yeah. these little messages. And I do, uh, I sometimes do uh, assessments with my clients. And one of the questions I will sometimes randomly throw in is, I'll ask this question. I'm going to ask you this question, Pat. Is greed good? Is what? Greed. Is greed good? Okay, so you're, you're buying into one of my things here. I just don't do this good and bad stuff. Greed is just greed. Okay. It's just is. I don't know if it's bad, good, but it just, here's what it is. Identify it, move on. Uh-huh. The reason I ask the question, I usually do is a multiple choice. It's yes, no, or define greed. Do you remember in that movie Wall Street when... Gordon Gecko, the character played by Michael Douglas, said that greed is good. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Well, never said that. They selectively edited that scene to make it look like he said that for promos and teaser clips, but he never said that greed is good. Do you know what he actually said? I don't. Greed, for lack of a better word is good okay there you go so he's not saying greed is good he's saying that for lack of a better word for lack of a better way of describing it thus allowing there is a different way to describe it it's good and if you and if you look at the entire speech and the i'm actually pulling it up on my for our listeners you can imagine me i have my smartphone out and i'm actually looking this up right now I have it actually on one of my own websites. I'm going to read the Gordon Gecko speech to you right now. And we'll tell you what you still think about greed after this is done. Here we go. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all its forms. Greed for life, money, for love. Knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind, and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other excuse me, that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. So then I ask, do people engage in acts of altruism for selfish reasons? <laughs> I know some that do, yes. Yeah, if, you, uh, if somebody donates $250,000 to a charity... And that $250 sends 500 privileged youths to college. Do you think that the ego satisfaction of being able to do that isn't a factor? The tax write-off that they're going to get from doing that, which might kick them into a lower tax bracket and save them taxes overall? That's, is that, is that going to play a role, perhaps, in motivating them to give that $250,000 when they could have done something else with it? In fact, that they're, they're going to get a, a, public pla- a public pat on the back and some tax relief. It's but, a- I, but I ask, even with all that, did five kids who otherwise weren't going to school, or are they going to school now? Exactly. Right. Uh, exactly. And, and, and I also ask in that same section of my book, can you make a bigger difference by giving up your last dime or by serving generously from an overflowing cup? That's why looking at disruptive, I'm going to go back to that old lady and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say, "Wow, this is so great that she's giving her last dime." I'm gonna say, "This is a disgrace that she has one dime to give." What the hell happened here? And how do we fix it? Yep. I mean, and, and as far as the merchants who are giving generously, I'm gonna say, "Awesome! It's great to give back, and it's great that you all have overflowing cups, and that you're willing to serve from that overflow to help others rise, because rising tides buoy all ships." I hear you. And the whole thing is, I'm going to go back to what I said. The whole thing is you have to give it to yourself first.
first. Yeah. Because if you don't, then, then it's just a facsimile of what you're giving. You're not giving genuinely. Uh-huh. So let me ask this, uh, and let's go back again. This is kind of the title of what we're discussing here. We've covered some of the nucleus of your life stuff, but what causes inspiration to fade? Boredom. Okay. Lack, lack of that deeper inner satisfaction that I was talking about. Yeah. Um, lack of a feeling of, of, of being fulfilled, of doing what you know you're here to do. Mm -hmm. um, fatigue, you know, um, weariness from quotes, following all the rules and, and, you know, jumping through all the hoops. So there's a, you know, I could, I could probably go on and list five or 10 more, but it's, it's the, uh, it's the weariness of the spirit. Yeah. And, you know, I've been places where I've been weary of spirit. Everybody who's been tuning into the show for any amount of time has heard about those three years where I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And what that meant was I got to a point where I had a business, I had clients, I enjoyed the clients. In fact, most of those clients are still with me to this day. And I enjoyed the bespoke work I was doing with those clients. But I didn't know really what business I wanted to be in or what I wanted to grow. So for three years, my only marketing mechanism was this show you're listening to right now, the Business Creators Radio Show. This is the only thing I had to share with my audience. Okay, and also, so and also let me why? what did this show get? I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is so critical. Why was that so much for you? What did it do for you, Adam, that you could stick in there for those three years? Actually, it's interesting that your interjection flows right into what I was saying. I was going to say, I was going to say, aside from the fact that it gave me something to show my audience, it also gave me 52 conversations with new prospects, new connections, more open conversations that could lead to more closed deals and more expanded opportunities because it's a weekly show and there's 52 episodes in a year. And underneath that, what did it give you? Okay, now okay, this is where you're actually going to hear some slight pauses for me because you're taking me down an introspective journey. So for our listeners, this is this is a taste of how Pat's coaching works, I believe. Um, yeah, so underneath, I think it gave me a sense that I was able to buy some time and give myself the space I need to figure out what kind of business I really wanted to be at the level where I would market it and promote it and build websites and campaigns around it. Gave myself some space. Do you hear how powerful those words are? Yeah. Do you feel how, well, I'm getting chills on that one. Gave, gave yourself space, Adam. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about because the mm -hmm. rest will follow from that. Yeah. But if you weren't centered on you, to a very real extent, you wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. You fact, one of the things I talk about is giving yourself permission to ask for, take what's yours, take what you need, not in a bad way, not in a violent way, but to take that for yourself. And that's exactly what you did. And do yeah. you know how many people don't do that? And then what I they're- I can imagine. Yeah, they're running on an empty tank. You're not running on an empty tank, Adam. Not at all. Uh, I've seen, and I know what it's. I know what it's like to feel truly desperate, like you have nothing. I've been there too. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you keep a steady flow of this space for yourself. Whatever that satisfaction this shows br that brings you. Mm -hmm. is you've got a steady flow going every single week. It yeah. never has time to dry up so that you have to fill up again. It's right. just ongoing flow. That's what I'm talking about. That's when you're in nucleus. Yeah. I think another thing that can kill people's inspiration is when they have it and it's not appreciated. I've, I have another story I like to uh, tell, and this is actually – one I used to repeat a lot when I was going through part of that 
process of self-discovery and I used to go off on rants on this show. I've calmed down considerably because I recognize retrospectively that was me working through a pattern or a, a phase, but I still look back and recognize the, the lessons it gave me. So I'm going to tell you calmly the story that I'm referring to. I worked uh, for a, I worked in corporate for five years before I became an entrepreneur. And one of the jobs I had, apparently some random moron in senior management, and believe me, these people were morons, decided that I hadn't been respectful enough over some issue or I don't know what it was. <laughs> and so they went and so they went to my supervisor, who's at the director level, and told and, and instructed my director to have a conversation with me about how I was way down here on the org chart and that and that senior sweet c-suite person was way up there on the org chart and they wanted and they wanted they ordered my director to tell me that if ever there was a situation where there was a disagreement between me and that and that senior management person they were right and i was wrong specifically including if they said the earth was flat i only need i not only needed to acknowledge that they were right but apologize for thinking the earth was wrong round i mean this was somebody on a serious power trip i uh, yeah and where's yeah. the dignity and respect genuine you want, you, you, dignity you, and respect take, for every take, person involved take a guess about how i felt for about the next three months over that one. Oh, why i don't even have to guess yeah well uh there there is a there is a a uh, postscript to that uh few years later, after I left the company, I, I think I was in a bagel shop or something, and I saw this same senior management person. They tried to come up and make friends with me, and I just cut them off. I said, excuse me, you'll refer to me as Mr. Homie or Sir. I am a president. I am a CEO. So the only person in your company who calls me by my first name is your president and your CEO. So you tell Jim to give me a call if he has a problem with this. So yeah, sometimes the empire strikes back. I mean, again, this is uh, this was uh, something that happened over 15 years ago, um, and I was in a much different place in my life. Uh, you know, in this day and age, I would probably just say, "Oh, that's interesting." If we met, and just walk away. Yeah, and that's because <laughs> I'm going to keep going back to this. I sound a bit like a broken record, but when you don't have to get on the soapbox, you can just tell the story and go, "Huh." that's interesting and walk away. Yeah. You're much more centered on you, the real authentic you. Yeah. You've got nothing to prove. So at that time I felt like I did though. So what well, yeah, the, at that this point. tells us is it goes, it just takes us through the scenes of life. And for our listeners who wonder why would I share stuff like that about myself? I've mentioned this before too, that as a podcast host, I am your voice and a lot of our listeners have situations like this where they may say or do things that were part of their own learning and experiential growth process that looking back make them look kind of, eh, I don't know, like that wasn't exactly their finest hour. But by me jumping first and being their voice, they can join in the journey. You as the listeners can join in the journey of self-improvement, self-discovery, and growth that and can happen without having to necessarily experience these things yourself or do these things yourself, or even admit that you've had these moments with that weren't exactly your finest hour. You can just point to mine if you want. I don't care. I put it out there for that reason to help you. And what you can do then is you can, how do I want to say this? We look back at some of these things and we think how horrible they are, or there may be mm -hmm. someone listening now Adam said, God, that was awful. That was awful what happened to him. Right. However, however you can look back now and you can see the gift or the gem or the gold in a shitty situation. Yeah. Uh, in, my, in my book, I, I discuss the importance of investing in the silver lining in a cloud because it's a precious metal. Yes. And that's true of every single thing that happens to us. There's right. always something there. We may not see it for years, but there's always something there. Right. And I'm I know that sounds a little Pollyanna-ish, but it's no, not. No, no, not at all. 
you know, when I work with people, we actually visit some of those places. Um, I don't do analyzing or anything like that. But when you can look at things in retrospect, especially when it's some of the stuff that, you know, wasn't so good, you right. begin to see a pattern and you go, oh, 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 look at that. And you begin uh -huh. to see how all of that was a training ground for the work that you're doing now. So right. the work that you're doing now, Adam, with this podcast every week, all that shitty stuff that happened before was a training ground for you to be able to do this now. Yeah. This, see this, I, I love this stuff because when you, when you get that for yourself, look what you're able to get. Uh -huh. But you had to stick up for yourself first. You had to put a stake in the ground for you first. And everybody does it differently. Okay. Um, someone may not be as articulate as you are, but it doesn't mean they can't have a strong stake in the ground for what they strongly believe in. Right. Yeah. So you're a walking model for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Kudos to you. Right. Thank you very much. Of course. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm sincere about that. I, I don't BS anybody. I just don't. And some people will say, but you tell people stuff that are nice about them because it's true. <laughs> okay. It's true. And you know that you could feel it when I said it to you, couldn't you? Right. That it was true. Exactly. I, I mean, this is one of those ones where sometimes I don't have a whole lot to say because it's just so profound what our guest brings to us. And I had a sense of this because you were on our Brilliance Plus Passion Project a few months ago, and uh, we've had other conversations as well. So I know that, you know, what you do is very, very intense. And when it comes to the intense work, sometimes you have to take that moment and just let it sink in. Yes. yes. And, allow, and allow the lessons of it to just gradually gradually permeate yes and in the meantime and this is one of the things I'm, I'm known for with my with my with my clients is you know some coaches or whatever mentors want you to get it right now bam 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 come on what's the matter with you and there's just some things you can't you just said it because of the intensity of it and what's really critical in that moment Adam mm -hmm. is that you have somebody that's got your back, that's got a stake mm -hmm. in the ground for you until you can put the stake in the ground for yourself. Right. Yeah. I, I will have clients that will tell you when I do live events, like at hotels and that they've seen me take, <laughs> they've seen me take some uh, service person to task because they've been hard on one of my participants that was having a hard time. Uh, tell me more about this. Uh, we were at a, uh, it was at a, a hotel. Okay. And you know, you can tell already my, my workshops are pretty intense and I know how vulnerable that makes people. Right. One of my participants, um, on break was standing in the hallway crying. She had uh -huh. just been through and was just doing some releasing. That's all she was doing. Yeah. And one of the one of the servers from the coffee and tea thing that we had set up there came up to her and told her to get it together and to quit acting like such a big baby throwing a tantrum in the middle of the hallway. What? Thank you. I flew. I flew. I was just coming out of the room and I just I said, hold it right there. Don't you ever speak to one of my participants like that again. Uh -huh. You have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And here's the thing, Adam, the participant, because of their vulnerability in that moment, didn't have the ability to put the stake in the ground for herself right then. Yeah, uh, I had a, I, I'm aware of a situation that a friend told me about. So they were at a seminar last year and, uh, you know, you know, last year, you know, just for context, we're having this conversation in 2021 for somebody who may be tuning in five years later when the business creators radio shows over a thousand episodes, which we will get there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so just in context, last year means 2021. So now you're thinking of a time 
when uh, America was reopening, but there was still a lot of caution and uh, a lot of confusion about things. And so they were at a, they were at a venue, and uh, and uh, somebody and there was a group of people standing out in the hallway. And one of them, this is my friend, uh, had his mask off so that he, you know pulled over to the side because he was drinking an iced tea that he had bought from their Starbucks concession stand. Yeah. And some and some pompous ass of a security guard stomps up to him, flings a mask at him, and starts yelling at him. Oh no, honey! Yeah, screaming about screaming about zero tolerance zones and and we will and and we will take further actions if you don't comply at once. And I'm not debating this with you and all this shit. And the best part is, I'm told by my friend that the security guard said, "I'm not debating this shit with you," before my friend even had a chance to say a word. No, see, no. Now, what my friend also told me is that the, the same security guard went on to find out what event they were associated with and bully their event organizer saying, I'm watching you from the eye in the sky and I see one mask come down off a nose and we're all coming in and dragging you out. And the best part is, is the venue did not fire that person. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, so this stuff does happen. Now this, now this could have been my friend exaggerating it by 10 points. I think what probably really happened was that they probably did tell the event organizers that uh, something to the effect of if you if you don't comply with the policies, we are monitoring the room and we'll end your event. But I could see, but I could see based on the rest of the story how that could be translated into we'll come in and you drag your asses out. Yeah. And based on and based on just the way the story was told to me, and I verified it by speaking with another person who was a witness to this, who's also a friend of mine. Uh, it was it was just a really bad situation. You basically what you had somebody was on a huge power trip that uh, that just wanted just wanted to show off how much power they had. Yeah. Which also tells me that they likely have issues where they feel they don't have much power at all. So getting to bully somebody like this is high school again over something the person wasn't even doing wrong was like their one taste of not being put down for the day. Yeah. And then, so, I, so, I, so, I have, so I have an empathy for it too, but still there's, there's a major issue there when you have those situations and it precludes any form of being able to deal with it rationally. Because I can tell you if I had been there for that situation, uh, that my, my day would have stopped until, that, until I got to watch that security guard have his badge taken away from him. Yeah, yeah. And then I take that to another level, Adam. In the, in the case of your friend of the story here, you know, of what your friend just told, in the case of the participant in my workshop, mm -hmm. in ordinary everyday circumstances, I know from the participants, they're very capable. Yes. They do stand their ground, they do, but when they're pounced on like that. And right, that, that, right, and that can happen to a lot of us. We all have our, 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 our scenarios we think about when we're in the shower of, Oh, if somebody ever did that to me, this is how I'd handle it. But then you, but then you put them in that situation. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna go somewhere, and I know this is delicate for some of our listeners, but I'm just gonna point it out because I, I have friends who have been in this situation, and I also have friends who help other women get out of these situations. You know, women who are victims of domestic abuse, physical, yeah. that sort of thing. And it's easy for those of us who have not experienced physical domestic abuse to say, the first time he hit you, why didn't you get the hell out of there? Or, oh, yeah. or, or, or after that time, he put you in the hospital and you, were, and you almost ended up having to have your eye removed. Why did you go back to him two weeks later? It ain't as cut and dried as you think it is. I'll guarantee you that. I've, I've, I've read books about this. I've spoken with survivors of this. And I hear to a T across the board, that it's never really that simple. And the best part is, is they usually intellectually know all the while it's happening that really they just need to get the hell out. Yep. But they either cannot sense they have the resources to do it or the ability to do it. And what I mean by resources and ability is a combination of money, a support network, and just their own courage. Exactly. So, and, and, I've, also, and I've also spoken with a couple of them who have said, who said that uh, they themselves went for years thinking they would never let a man hit them. And then the first time a man hit them, they didn't run. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, and and it works both ways. I mean, because you know, you you can also have you can also have uh, you know women abusing the men. Of you course. can have abuse within homosexual relationships and everything else. But I can but I can tell you that uh, you know I uh, had a woman punch me once, and within that context, and I didn't immediately just walk out the door either. So I'm not in a position to say, oh yeah, I would definitely do that because no, it's sometimes more complicated than that. It gets complicated the, the more and more we look at it. You know, it's, you know, my sister was born severely mentally mm -hmm. retarded. This was in the early, early 1950s. So I know that that, that term is no longer politically correct, but it's the right. term we lived with. It's the label, okay, that was our life. And I tell you, I watched... Well, I didn't watch long because I was mouthy even as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. I saw the disrespect, the bullying, the disregard that she had to put up with until someone who had the ability could step in. Right. I watched it happen to the other quote, mm -hmm. kids in her area. When I was, um, you know, I, I taught high school in inner city school, and it was the first year that special ed was in the high school with those kids. And I was blessed to have a classroom one period a day each with, you know, the mentally handicapped, the physically handicapped, the deaf and hard of hearing, all indifferent. Right. I cannot tell you the giftedness in those kids. I don't care what their IQ was. Uh -huh. um, I cannot tell you the the heart and the soul of some gang members that I was privileged to work with. You know, that was the year in, in, in that particular inner city mm -hmm. school to where there was all the race riots. Right. I had a set of twin black girls, part of the gang, come to my classroom door and walk me to each one of my classes, met me at my car in the morning, took me to my car and this is what we're missing out by putting every, anybody down, but even these kinds of people. Right. And that now I live, you know, I'm almost 75. So yeah, I live in a, in a apartment building for 62 and older. And the, how do I want to say this? The lack of dignity and respect just because of your age on some of the, on the way some of the people are treated here. And yeah. it's all independent living in that. So this is this is my whole thing is when we when we're in our own nucleus, and I think it sounds like you are a good part of your time, and we give that dignity and respect to ourselves, we're more empowered to put a stake in the ground for the woman that's been abused. Yeah. The old lady down the hall, the you know, the challenge. I, I can just go on. I feel like I'm getting on my soapbox now, but. I don't care who you are, you have a right to that. But mm -hmm. I still have to give it to ourselves first. And you obviously do because you're handing it out to other people. Yeah, I've noticed you use the metaphor stake in the ground several times. And I myself, pretty early in this conversation, mentioned um, securing the tent to the ground. So is that phrase stake in the ground, is that a metaphor for you of some sort or a transword? Um, it's you said you said it many times. Okay, and here's the visual that's in my head when I say mm -hmm. that is, all right. Let's say someone was well, someone was making fun of my sister in a restaurant. My visual when I took her hand and went over and introduced her to them was in my right hand, Adam. In my imagination, I had a stake, right, and I put it in the ground, stood there. And that was it. I dare you to come up to it. I dare you to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't. It's like the line. Do not cross this line. You're going to have uh -huh. to go through this in order to get to her. It's just, it's a determined, it's a commitment for me. If I've got a stake in the ground for you. I'm committed in that moment to you and what you're doing. Right. Did that help? Did that make sense? That make dollars and cents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think that, you know, since we're speaking about the nucleus, what have you, I mean, the, the nucleus is a, is a center of energy, and we're thinking in atomic terms. Yeah. And we're also thinking of, if you want to keep going with energy, energy has a ground. 
Yes. And grounding the energy helps complete the circuit. Yeah. It also, it also reduces the noise and the static. Yeah. 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 You can't, you can't ignore that stake in the ground. You can't ignore that cycle of energy there that you're talking about. Right. It's unignorable. Is there such a word? I guess there is now because I just used it. Well, yeah, yeah, there is a word. There, there, there's, a, there's a word if you say it's a word. <laughs> there you go. This, despite the negative press, Kefefi. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I know somebody who named their dog Kefefi. So now not only is that a word, it's also, it's also a pet name. I love it. So, so if you want, so if you want to make up a word by adding a couple modifiers to an existing word that you that actually are in a dictionary, be my guest. Okay, I do that frequently. So there yeah. we go. There we go. Ah. Right. Oh wow. I mean, this is this is quite something here. So you know, we were going to get into what makes you different than other coaches, but I'm already starting to see that, and I want to circle back to something you said earlier is when we are, for example, we're dealing with our clients, we're looking at, well, how can we relate, relate to the client? How can we serve the client? How can we show the client this, that, and the other? And clients appreciate that. I'm a client myself. Yes. I have people who work for me. I appreciate when they do that, but I also appreciate their innovation and their individuality. And I found that, you know, people who are my clients, uh, you know, people who are my clients, sometimes use words like eccentric to describe me, yeah. but they mean it in an, in an endearing way. I've yeah. also heard disruptive or yes. oddball, and I take these all as compliments. Oh, I think that's totally a compliment. Part of my marketing talks about, um, I work with rascals, renegades, and queer ducks because I've been one my whole life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'll say to people every once in a while, I've got this one lady, she just laughs and loves it when I call her and I'll say, honey, you're not normal. <laughs> Thank God. What is, what is normal? Yeah. Have you heard the one about the, uh, about the man whose wife cuts off the end of the roast where she puts it in the pan? Yes. Let's do this one for our listeners though, in case we have some new people. Okay. A man, no a man noticed his wife cut off the ends of the roast before putting it in the pan. He asked her why she did it, and she said she learned it from her mother, and she was taught that it makes the roast juicier, more tender, and more delicious. So, a couple weeks later, he saw his mother-in-law. He asked the mother-in-law. The mother-in-law told him the same thing. She learned it from her mother. It's because cutting off the ends makes it, you know, it, makes it juicier, more tender, and more delicious. Well, son of a gun! His grandmother-in-law 99 years old, still dim and vinegar with, uh, with a head about her, was going to be there on Thanksgiving. So he had a chance to ask his grandmother-in-law why they cut off the ends of the rose for putting it in a pan. And she said, Sonny, it was during the Great Depression. We couldn't afford a pan big enough, so we had to cut off the ends. Yep. I, told, I told your wife's grandma that because she, I didn't want her to know how poor she was. Yep. Now, if he didn't have that ability to go back through history and find that, he may have never known the real reason why they cut the ends off the roast. Yep. And what we need to think about that is when it comes to roles or what's normal or what's supposed to be, many of these things we call roles are actually permanent reactions to temporary blips on the radar screen, yep. often facilitated by people in C-suite offices who need to show off how much power they have who become insecure if they notice problems get solved without them making policies and, and showing that they are in touch. I mean, for better, I mean, for better or worse, uh, yeah, that's something I think a lot of people have dealt with. And again, I think, as we also discussed in a couple of the analogies today, it goes back to we need to look at everybody involved in the situation, even if the ones that we think are quote unquote bad because I don't think there's really any such thing as a good guy or a bad guy per se. But let's look at but let's look at what would make somebody in, in the C suite so insecure that they have to go intentionally order somebody else to degrade a junior employee. Uh, let's look at what would make a security guard flip out and be ready to go to violence because somebody had their mask pulled to the side while they had a straw in their mouth sucking tea out of a cup. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's one of the things that I say to my clients frequently when they'll bring an incident like this to me. And I'll say, just take them. I hear you. I get it. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about something. Use your imagination if you need to. And just think to yourself, what would have have to have happened to me in order for me to behave like that? Yeah. And many times I'll get the answer. I would never behave like that. I said, oh, really? Wrong. Wrong. Just I don't care how horrible you make it. You think about it until you can find something that would make you behave that way. And to a person, if, if I gently push them, and sometimes a little bit more than gently push them, mm-hmm. and give them enough time, they will come up with something and say, yeah, had that happened to me, I, would, I could behave like that. Right. And that's not to make the other person right. It's to, it's to bring up some compassion and understanding for crying out loud. Yeah. Now, it doesn't I mean, mean you let them walk on it or you take anybody. Oh, no. But it's about that inner understanding for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think that a lot of this will come down to is just being able to look at these things holistically and be able to compartmentalize. Like, say, for example, yes, I understand I'm having this reaction to this thing in this moment. This is my feeling about it. So I'm going to take this, honor it, respect it, and I'm going to set it over here. Now, with this set over here, I have a view so I can look around and say, all right, so what else is going on here? Exactly. Uh, what's, what's bringing this up? And with, it, and with, and with that, that, that feeling taken and set to the side where you can go, you, you, you pick it up anytime or not. Now you grant yourself the space of acknowledging what is real for you and opening your perspective for new ideas and new thoughts. I just love when you use that term. You've used it more than once today. I Which gave one? myself space. You yeah. have space for yourself. That's uh-huh. really an important analogy for you. Well, yeah. Well, uh, well, you're 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 planting pegs in the ground, and I'm and I'm opening up space. You're you're <laughs> you're nailing those tents down, and I'm kicking them away because we want space. Yep. Oh. <laughs> and the both things can exist in the same space. Uh huh. See, I would put a stake in the ground for you to open up all the freaking space you want. Yeah. Um, I, there was a poster that was, it just reminds me, oh, it's been probably 20 years ago now that said, um, if, you, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And I had a client bring that to me all up skittle, all up tight right. about it. And I said, it's a poster. Take all the damn space you want. Mm -hmm. It's your right. So, yeah. Yeah. I would put a stake in the ground for you to take all the space that you want. I love how those two things can work together. Absolutely. So we're actually at the top of our time here. Uh, I want to do one last thing before, before the end of the hour. And for those who are listening in right now, leaning in, and are getting really intrigued, by this whole thing about the nucleus and how to bring back the inspiration and wanting to go even further with this whole thing of looking at things from different layers, different perspectives, being able to compartmentalize all the things that we covered on today, which may have seemed like to the casual listener, a random conversation about a bunch of stuff Mm. that actually all lends itself to an overall theme. How can people contact you and what they have to look forward to once they do? Well, the best way to contact me is to reach out to support at pathoneyotis.com. Drop me a line, request that, you know, we set up a call. I, you know, I'm always doing uh, what I call strategy calls or just calls for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I don't charge for those. Right. And, you know, it just gives us a feel for each other personally. Right. Right. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to visit your website as well, which is simply pathoneyotis.com. I'll spell yes. that for our listeners who may be out jogging right now. Pat, <laughs> P-A-T, it's Pat, P-A-T. And then your last name is spelled H-O-N-I-O-T-E-S. 
Dot com, yes. Dot com. So that's how you find the website. Or uh, you can you can do something else that's possible. Just visit www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Find this episode and look in the notes. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, Pat, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you so much. And I had a ball. I love, I love having conversations yeah. with folks like yourself. Thank you. Uh-huh. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.